You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Follow the mystery. The Orphans, new episodes every Monday, exclusively at oneofus.net. From, From the depths of, of pop culture rises a beast of unimaginable obsession to wreak havoc on the podcast of man. This is the Gigantacast. <laughs> when Matt starts his podcast. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, ladies and gentlemen. This is your friendly Uncle Matt. Uh, Mr. Matt Frank, if you will. Uh, Hello. Self-proclaimed Captain Swinging Big Dick of the Kaiju world. <laughs> That's terrible. I shouldn't say that. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, like I said, it's been a while. Um, I mean, I was clear up front that this was not going to be a regular podcast. But um, I've been getting some pretty good feedback on it, and I think the handful of people who've been listening have been enjoying it. Um, oh, I've been I've been listening, and I've been enjoying the hell out of it. So. Oh, good, good. Uh, that voice, you uh, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between can hear, Hello. is um, Mr. Toshi Nakamura. Hello from from the the Wayward Podcast, the anime podcast of One of Us dot net. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we're here today to to talk about stuff because yeah, I, I it's stuff I happen to know about. Yeah, I know what a what a what a thought that I would get uh, a person, a friend who actually lives in Japan, all the way. Um, what time is it over there? It is currently uh, two thirty three p.m. What time is it over there? It is two. Uh, sorry, it is twelve thirty three a.m. Yeah, burning the burning the burning the candles huh? on yeah. both ends. It's not so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, this is pretty. Uh, this is pretty exciting because uh, you know uh, Toshi here uh, hit me up uh, one day, uh, kind of out of the blue, and said, "Hey, man, have you done an episode about Ultraman yet?" And I said, uh, "I said no, I hadn't. I was kind of planning on one." Why did you want in on that? And what exactly? <laughs> what exactly was it you said, Toshi? Well, it, I am reminded of that incident in, from Lore where. Um, where uh well the what uh, the, alan moore the, the, wasn't it alan moore yep alan yep. moore was at a restaurant with a dc executive and the dc executive was mentioning the possibility of doing a a superman story and uh, alan moore basically lunged over the <laughs> table and said you will give me that story or i will kill you <laughs> <laughs> oh alan moore you yeah. crazy motherfucker um <laughs> So yeah, yeah I, I mean, wanted in. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but there you go. I mean, it's it's it just it was nice that you were so excited because I mean, you and I have talked quite a bit in the past. You know, mm-hmm. we've we've talked regarding Kotaku and uh, mm-hmm. and video games, mostly the Godzilla video game that came out last year. Yep. Um, and uh, we've met we've even met face to face out there in in ye olde Japan. Yep, and we'll be meeting again when you when you come back over for the new Godzilla movie. Very exciting, very yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's really, uh, it's really, a, a, what a time to be alive for a Tokusatsu fan. 
There's a new yeah. Godzilla coming out. There's uh, Ultraman's 50th anniversary, which might tie into what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, just like there's, there's, so they're hopefully going to get a new Godzilla going over here because they mm-hmm. pushed it back and lost their director. So yeah, good. that was yeah, that was a shame. I really, I really did like the uh, the the new one, the Gareth oh. Edwards one. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so. I, I, a lot of people I talk to, I, I get a, I get very mixed reactions. To everyone I yeah. talk to about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I personally, while I did enjoy it, I did think there was a large chunk in the middle of the movie that kind of doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Likewise, I was. It was a movie that I wished there was more Godzilla in. Well, like, I think that there was, was there was yeah much yeah. more Godzilla. But I mean, what there was, I really really liked. Yeah, the things that needed to get right, it got absolutely right. Um, mm-hmm. To quote um, Rich Evans over on uh, Red Letter Media, um, mm-hmm. but like. You know, it it definitely, you know, which which is why it's so interesting that now Toho is doing Shin Gojira, Godzilla mm-hmm. Resurgence. Yep. And uh, you know they're they're taking this really interesting approach with it that mm-hmm. seems to be you know I mean obviously it's being directed by Hideaki Anno, yep, the creator uh, of Evangelion, yep, which I know excites you. Oh yes, yes. I mean. He's he's always had a love for for the Tokusatsu genre, um, yeah. and it shows because uh, in the latest uh, Evangelion movie that came out, Evangelion Q, yes, for the the um, there was actually a before the movie there was a short uh, a Tokusatsu short where he got permission from uh, well, Gib- Studio Ghibli mm-hmm. to to use uh, sorry Studio Ghibli um, to. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but uh, to to use the their designs for the for the for the giants from now uh, Valley of the Wind. Yes, uh, uh, and for, yeah, and basically it portrayed an ending of the world. Uh, yeah, and it was pure Tokusatsu, just goodness, yep. like just miniatures and puppetry, little mm-hmm. cardboard cutout people, which I thought was very charming. Yep, yeah. just blow and blowing shit up. And yeah. they don't. That's that's something you really can't get with with CGI. Just not yet. Yeah, so. I mean, even I even as as far as CGI has come and as good as it looks nowadays, yeah. man, there is just there's a quality to Tokusatsu that I think, uh, particularly for Japanese creators for Japanese studios. There's just something about it where there's a, you know, in their own words, they're kind of creating their own reality. And yeah. it has a quality to it that feels like you're a kid with a toy box. Even yeah. even if it was something as deathly serious as the giant god warrior appears in Tokyo, which is, I believe, the name <laughs> of the short. Yep. Um, it, it, something something about that is uh, it's just it's just so much damn fun, and um, it. And and I and I, I'm I, which is why I was a little bit disappointed when I heard that Shin Gojira was actually going to be brought to life mostly with CGI. No. Um. In the new trailer, you can pretty much tell that there's a lot of CGI going on with Godzilla himself. Yeah. It's very subtle, because as I understand it, they had a puppet, a big prop, mm-hmm. and it didn't quite have the quality that they wanted for the film, so they think they overlaid CGI on top of it? Mm, as they okay. understand. Yeah. Yeah, which probably was frustrating for uh, Shinji Higuchi, the uh, special effects director. Oh, that must have been, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, he's... But, 
Go ahead. Oh no, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah go ahead, please, please. Oh. Go ahead. You, probably, you probably know him more than me. So well, uh, well. I mean, you know, Higuchi was a storyboard uh, artist for um, the original Evangelion, and um, you know, he went on to be a special effects director for Dae on the Gamera trilogy, which mm-hmm. are three of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> uh, just yeah. I love the crap out of those films. Have you seen those? No, I have not. Charlatan! Yeah, I know. Gamera was... I never got into it. It was just something Mm. that I I overlooked. Mm -mm -mm. And, yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Shame to your people. Well, I have heard your podcast, and I am... It is on my... Like, the Gamera movies are on my list. Well, that's that's good. If I can do anything... Like, the hell with just about anything else I talk about on these podcasts. If people can just go check out those Gamera movies from the 90s. They're so damn good. Uh, I rented out a theater, actually, for my 30th birthday last December, and uh, we watched the first one, uh, Gamera, uh, Guardian of the Universe. I I don't know the Japanese title, but... Uh, well, it was Gamera's 50th anniversary last year, and mm-hmm. it was my, you know, my 30th birthday, so I thought that was kind of an interesting stars alignment mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, and I showed and a lot of people in the theater had actually n- never seen a Gamera movie, some of them much less even a kaiju movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason Murphy was there, for example, and he came out of the theater just like, whoa! <laughs> and you know Jason, he's not yeah. easy to impress. Yeah, and when, uh, well, he's not easy to impress, and when he gets excited, he gets excited. Yeah, so, so yeah. that was very gratifying, and, uh, and, and also Sarah was there, Sarah from, uh... Of various sundry podcasts, yep. um, she uh, she was also fairly impressed with it as well. And it's just it was nice that like that's what my wife always says. Like she says, you keep trying to show people these other kaiju movies when you should just be showing them the Gamera trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But uh, anyway, well, we're not here to talk about Gamera today. I, t- I spent two yeah. goddamn hours talking about Gamera. <laughs> uh, yeah. We are here to talk about. Ultraman, Ultraman, here he comes from the sky. Yep. And, yeah, so um, there are basically, I would say, like, three, let's see. Yep. Like, of of the, like, the Tokusatsu series, I think there's, like, four or five, like, basic genres. You've got the Godzilla, the monster. Mm -hmm. Um, I hesitate to lump in Gamera with Godzilla. But I would love them. Yeah, they're kind of the kaiju series. Yes. Then you've got the the Super Sentai, which you've got a group of people with, and you know they fight monsters, and at the end they get in a giant robot, mm-hmm. and giant robot fights giant monster. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the Space Cadet uh, Uchu Keiji. Yes. Series where you've got basically a lone person fighting monsters. He also has a giant robot. But he uses it sparingly. It's mostly yes. just human-sized fighting. Yes. And then there's the Ultraman, which Ultraman. is yeah, which is it's it's like part kaiju, it's part uh, space cadet in like it's a one person fighting right. monster, and it's also part Sentai where you've got like their giant size. It's it's kind of a mix in a way. Yeah. But it is its own thing. Right. And that's what's so interesting that you say it's a bit of a mix because it precedes so yeah. much modern Tokusatsu hero stuff. Oh yes. Uh I mean yeah. 
uh, Power Rangers and Super Sentai and Kamen Rider and Uchikeiji and the Metal Heroes. Well, Uchikeiji, that's that that you know the Metal Heroes guys. They all kind of are get lumped together sometimes. Yeah. Um, all those guys were preceded and heavily inspired by Ultraman, which itself mm-hmm. was preceded and heavily inspired by Gojira and Gamera. So, yeah. actually, no, Gamera came out almost concurrently with Ultraman. Um, oh, really? Okay. But uh, that's an that's another story. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, well, Toshi, from your perspective, tell uh, do you want to tell the people a bit what Ultraman's about? Or okay, um, well, with most of most of things, I with most of the genres I just described, um, probably not so much the Super Sentai or Uchu Keiji Metal Heroes, right? Um, but Basically, God, Godzilla, Gojira, Gamera, mm-hmm. and Ultraman, Ultraman, they, when we talk about these three, we will always say talk about something called the Showa era and the Heisei era. This is a big yes. thing. Because yes. there was a divide. Um, the Showa era and Heisei era, um, Japan has basically its eras, its ages. Yeah. Um, generally, they're dictated by the emperor. Yes, of um, course. The emperor, emperor says, I want yeah. these Tokusatsu series this yeah. this quarter. Exactly. No, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, when when the emperor, basically when an emperor dies, or in sometimes in a case of a major catastrophe, yes. uh, they will basically change the era. Yes. When, when, a, when a new emperor comes on, or like in the post-huge catastrophe, they say, this is a new age now, and it will yes. be given a name. And in 1988, I believe it was, 88, 89, it was like, like, Less than a, it was like a week or so into 1989, the yeah. Showa Emperor died. Oh, and <laughs> he was yeah. he was the last like, you know, World War Two era guy. And after and then when he died, his son um, became emperor and then started yeah. the Heisei era. Yeah, and that divide heavily divides like Ultraman, Gojira, Gamera. Because everything that's pre uh, pre Heisei, everything that's Showa, has this very distinct look and feel to it, and everything that's post Showa, that's Heisei era, yes. has its own distinct look. So it's it's widely divided by that, you know, by that change in in age. And I am a Showa era kid. Yeah, which is really mm. interesting because mm. uh, the Showa era stuff, you hardly ever talk to anyone. Mm. Well, if I may, if I may ask. Um, Toshi, how old are you? I am, uh, I hate to say this, 38. God damn it, mm-hmm. you people do not age. <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody friggin', can guess my age just by looking at me. Immortal elf, yeah. elflings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how, how, how old, like, just, just to go on a side, how old did you think I was when you met me? I thought you were, like, in your 20s. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're a young-looking no. dude, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yep, thank you. That's one of the only few things I have going for me, but, yep. <laughs> So so yeah so you were a Showa kid, yep, very much yeah. so, um, and yeah oh go, go ahead I'm sorry you oh were, no you were no asking. I was just I was just uh, see this is the tricky thing about doing things on Skype ladies and gentlemen yeah. is you can't read the other person's face yeah um but that's fine uh yeah the the Showa Heisei divide is really interesting to me because for a mm-hmm. lot of series it's mm-hmm. a very um palpable changeover because. Yeah. Uh, for a large section of the 80s, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of tokusatsu stuff going around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, a lot of the older stuff, like Godzilla and Gamera and uh, and Kamen Rider, kind of closed up shop. Yeah. Um, Sentai. Oh, right. That's the other one, Kamen Rider. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> that 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 falls that falls kind of in the in the Uchu Keiji Metal Heroes section. It's a little different, but it's kind of like that. Yeah. But... Well, Kamen Rider was also like one of the Shotaro Ishinomori's. You know, that's his big legacy. I mean, yeah. he helped create a lot of other stuff, but um, it was. Um, but like, Common Rider kind of also is its own animal. Mm-hmm. But uh, but like those shows, a lot of those shows and movies kind of went away yeah. in the um, late seventies and early eighties, and uh, Ultraman especially because yeah. uh, from nineteen sixty six to uh, nineteen eighty. It wasn't quite an Ultraman per year, but it was, on average, fairly regular. Yeah. Um, and then with Ultraman 80, which, of course, mm-hmm. came out in 1980, mm-hmm. they kind of ended the series and went on to do a bunch of weird experimental stuff. Yeah. Like, they did an Ultraman anime, they did yep. uh, a, a, an American animated series, or they, they tried a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the Australian series, Ultraman Ultraman Great. Or uh, yep. Ultraman Towards the Future. Yep. They did the very short-lived Ultraman Powered. Or yeah, that was like thirteen episodes. It was thir- Yeah, it was thirteen episodes. Never aired in America. It was American-made. Yeah. That's well, the thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really strange. And and it actually makes sense because there's there's a whole story behind that. I don't know if I want to get too deep into it, but mm-hmm. this um, attempt at an American Ultraman series where they were going to use, like, really high-quality suits, like these beautiful monster redesigns of uh, classics like Red King and Gomorra and mm-hmm. uh, and Pigmon and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful suits, beautiful designs, but uh, the suits were so fragile that they couldn't actually fight. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was, I've seen every episode. They are boring as shit. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's just, and it's really clear that nobody in the production really gave a damn, uh, mm-hmm. aside from the suit makers and maybe, um, oh shoot. What's the, what was the lead? The lead actor was a, was a Tuxatsu regular. Um, mm. he was, uh, he was Ninja Black in Cocker Ranger. Oh. And uh, he was also in Godzilla Final Wars. Um, oh, it's, it's driving me crazy. But anyway, he was in there and he kind of was, you know, doing what he could. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it never aired in America. And then uh, sl- quietly came out on Laserdisc, I think, in Japan. Hmm. And nobody cared. Uh. Nobody gave a shit. So... <laughs> Oh wait, that's that's the one. Isn't isn't that the one with uh, um, Kane Kosugi? That's him, Kane Kosugi. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, he was the he was the lead, and he mm-hmm. just was, you know, it was just funny to see him keep popping up like that because <laughs> he plays he he's so young uh, yeah. in uh, Cocker Ranger, and he's playing an American ninja with a cowboy hat. <laughs> Freaking stupid! I love yeah. it though. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so then those kind of marked the transitional period for Ultraman, and then the true Heisei Ultraman did start until Ultraman Tiga, yeah, in 1996, yep, which is was was a big hit, big revival, yeah, and uh, they had all their fancy computer graphics, which kind of look like ass, 
And um, <laughs> I really because it was because it was the late '90s and CGI was a little too prevalent for what it could do. Yeah, exactly. Like people yeah. would use it and kind of using it for stuff that. Hmm. Like like the laser effects and stuff for Ultraman eighty looked better yeah. than the laser effects in Ultraman Tiga. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's because it was all still rotoscoped and stuff. Um, but yeah, just so my question to you, I mean, we could, I mean, Ultraman's been continuing on to this day, and we'll get mm-hmm. into the more recent stuff. The most recent series was Ultraman X. Yep. Which uh, I managed to browbeat you into watching. <laughs> yep. um, Saw the whole thing. Yes, good for you. Uh, it, it, was, it was only 22 episodes, and typically an Ultraman series is about 50 episodes. Yeah. But, uh, well, so tell me your personal experience with Ultraman. Okay, um, well, I came, I was born and raised in, in the U.S., and right. so I didn't come to Japan until I was about 10. Um, right. Which was, uh, it was around 1988. And um, the Ultraman series, okay, so the Ultraman series actually, like, uh, let's see, there, uh, I think there's seven brothers they're considered. And there yeah. were basically, let's see, there was Ultraman, there's mm-hmm. Ultra 7. Yes. There was uh, what was called the Return of Ultraman, mm-hmm. although his real name was Ultraman Jack, although that never really came up anywhere. Right. Um, well, they didn't want to call him Jack because apparently the term hijacking was a really yeah. negative connotation in Japan at the time. Yeah. There was yeah. A, an, an incident. Yeah, yeah. Check your history books. Um, <laughs> and then there was uh, Ultraman Ace. There was Ultraman Taro. Mm-hmm. And Ultraman Leo. Uh, there's only yeah. uh, you, know, you notice I said seven, but there's only six. There's right. actually was a seventh uh, named Zofi. Who Zofi. Was, yeah, who was their leader, the most powerful of them. But yes. he was didn't have his own. He didn't have his own show. Uh, right. But those were considered. Those are were and are considered the Showa era Ultraman. And right. those were on syndication. And so they're playing basically every day on rotation. And I caught them on TV yeah. and I devoured them. Like when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. my brother. My brothers went to Japan a few times for the summer, right? And one one time they came back with a with this little picture book, of nice. um, with like photos, set photos of of you know showing you know the Ultraman characters fighting stuff and showing monsters and shit like that. And yeah. I was I was just like, like this is awesome. What is this? And you know <laughs> to come to Japan and actually to be able to see it and learn about it. And this is a bad habit of mine, but whenever I really get into something, I totally get into it. I need to know everything about it. So I like bought these little guidebooks, which had like lists of all the monsters in nice. order and like in which series and like it, it, the old guidebooks would have their feet, you know, their footprints, like, you know, their, yeah, their size. I love that shit. I love that. Yeah. Those, those little, those little, um, black and white books that are like, you know, really small books that are hundreds of pages just filled with all these different info about each kaiju and like what they do and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I, I saw pretty much nonstop from uh, the original Ultraman to about halfway through Ultraman Taro. I actually have not seen all that much of Ultraman Leo. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but I did learn that, uh, Actually, like we're uh, we're talking about Ultraman. Okay, so Ultraman is basically this guy, this giant silver and red guy who fights monsters. That's, right. You know, if you've seen it anywhere, that's Ultraman. Right, um, but there's actually uh, another series that actually um, one uh, or two series that predate Ultraman. It's called right. Ultra Q. Yes, it was the one series uh, yep. predated Ultraman by a very small margin. Yep, and it was basically a monster of the week 
um, series, but it did not have it did not feature Ultraman. Yeah, it basically basically featured people interacting with these different monsters, um, and there was also another series of uh, that I don't believe really got that got the attention it deserved called Red Man. Oh, Red Man has become yeah. has gone viral. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, they're actually um, Subarayas, the the production company. Their YouTube channel. They're actually posting episodes of Red Man. It's a really yes. short. It's like what, like fifteen minute episodes? If even that, I'd say they're yeah. more like five minutes. Five five ten minutes, and it's basically just this guy in a red, you know, guy in a red suit fighting monsters. That's all it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. and and it's 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 amazing because, as I understand it. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and and one of these days I've got to get my friend Jared Faust on here because he just mm-hmm. he actually only found really started watching Ultraman like uh, back in like 2006 or something and now he knows like so much more than I do, mm-hmm. but um, he pointed out to me that stuff like Red Man and Ultra mm-hmm. Fight and mm-hmm. these shorts uh, that Super Rare was producing, they were these short uh, videos that were just made because the shit was so popular that they were just looking for something to fill time between episodes. Yeah, just basically no no story yep. whatsoever. It's just, just guy, monster, fight. Boom. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and um, originally, uh, Ultraman was named Redman. Um, yeah, I mean, he went through a couple of iterations, yeah. but yeah, Red mm-hmm. Man was one of his. Uh, Red Man and Fireman, I think, were both mm-hmm. versions of Ultraman. Yeah, and when they finally created the full series, which was uh, around 30, 39, 40 episodes long. Yeah, um, they officially named him Ultraman, and yeah, it's the Ultraman series are all basically follow the same format. You have Right. There's this there's this group this this organization that protects the earth. Right. And then one day a monster comes down, one of the one of the one of the the members, right. the lead of the show dies. He gets killed or mortally wounded. Yes. And then Ultraman comes down and says, "I will save your life, but I will just give like give me your body. I will use your body and, you know, use you as a host." Yes. And you will, you know, when the, when crisis arises, you will transform into me and I will fight. Yeah. Um, it sounds a lot, it's a lot less creepy than it sounds. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, in, in the early cases, this just changed definitely in the Haze area, but in the early case, um, in the Showa era, yeah. the main character died. They yes. were dead. Like, they, they, it was not like, you know, the sharing a body. In, in the Haysayer, there's a lot of the the main character is sharing their body with Ultraman, with yes. the Ultraman. But in the Showa era, no, they were dead. Ultraman basically said, oh, there's a dead guy. I can use that. And <laughs> <laughs> takes over the body. And in the end of the series, the guy gets resurrected and comes right. back to life. Um, the very first Ultraman, spoilers, sorry, yeah. um... But like he called the the main when Ultraman leaves at the very end, the guy calls you know what you know what happened you know there I I saw that red ball of light, and you know I, that's what I was talking about yeah you know and there's this huge blank that he has he has no idea what has happened in the interim which is so fascinating because that that concept is like kind of haunting to me because like he had no idea that he was this hero and it just man and i mean i think they sort of started reversing that after a while because later 
the original Ultraman showed up and yeah uh it, Hayata was the original host of Ultraman and he was yeah. played played by Susumu Kurobe mm-hmm. and he who was actually Susumu Kurobe interestingly this was one of the few heroic roles he played he actually was uh had a, quite a few roles as henchmen in Toho really? movies okay. oh wow yeah if you go back and watch um Sandaikaiju Chikyu Sadai no Kessen um mm-hmm. Uh, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster he mm-hmm. is one of the bad guys really okay I need to check that yeah it's funny to see him like this <laughs> this thug with a thick mustache um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh, I mean you pretty much hit the nail on the head like yeah. the um, that that was a that was a popular conceit for a lot of the shows but mm-hmm. Ultra 7 introduced an interesting concept which was Ultraman as um, how do I describe it? Like basically fish out of water, and he mm. instead of instead of taking a host, he takes human form. Yeah, and he's just Ultraman. Uh, he's just an yeah. Ultra guy walking around in a fabricated human form in human skin. Yeah, and um, and sort of like, he, and they and they played with this concept a little more in the future. Yeah. With uh, uh, some of the Heisei stuff, where they really played up the uh, alien out of place on Earth angle, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, so so it, it typically comes in one of those two forms: either it's an Ultraman yeah. who takes human form, or it's an Ultraman who bonds with a human. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's basically Superman. It's a guy, you know, it's Clark Kent, you know, by day, and then when crisis arises, boom, he's Superman, you know, comes out and. You know the hero fights takes 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 care of business. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the one of the major characteristics of Ultraman is he has this uh, light light bulb on his chest. I guess the only way to describe it. Yeah, he has this this light on his chest. The color timer. And the color timer. And it's yeah. called specifically called the timer because the one of the features, one of the characteristics of Ultraman, the the Ultraman is that being at that size expends energy. Yes. This is actually something that they've they've uh, said in real life, like they're because they have um, kaiju shows and Ultraman shows, and one yeah. of the kids once asked, like, you know, Ultraman can only, you know, on the TV, Ultraman only lasts for three minutes. That's yeah. the thing. It's like at two minutes and thirty seconds. Like if you watch the original Ultraman at exactly two minutes and thirty seconds, his the timer on his chest will start blinking, yes. and that means he's running out of energy. And one of the guy, one of the officials, basically, and the kid said, like on TV. Ultraman can only last for three seconds on Earth, but on these shows, like they're here for a whole long time. Why is that? And one of the officials actually, you know, said, "Well, that's because being that large, being that size to fight kaiju, expends a whole lot of energy. But being human size, you know, it doesn't take that much energy at all. That's why they can be here all that long." So there's actually official word behind that. <laughs> but <laughs> no, that's but, uh, yeah, that's fucking cool. I actually didn't know that they had uh, said that back then. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. so, uh, that, that's the thing is that the Ultraman can only fight for a limited amount of time and yeah. they have a lot, the Ultraman have a lot of weird, cool attacks. Like they'll shoot beams from their hands. You know, they'll also have, they'll also have some very rare, weird, arbitrary ones mm-hmm. that'll only show up for one episode and never be heard from again. <laughs> they'll never use that again, but they have a ver- variety of different attacks that they use, but they always have that, you know, just like uh super Sentai or the metal heroes. And they'll have that fine, you know, one final attack that they'll use. Of course. And, you know, wipe to wipe out the enemy. Yeah. And, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it usually comes in the form of the specium beam or a variation on the specium yeah. beam. 
they all have their different names, but yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Stronium Coulson, Stronium Beam, uh, yeah. Wide Shot, yeah. Zeppelion you, Beam. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's. I, I mean, it's like it's like any other long running franchise. There's all kinds of variations and twists mm-hmm. on the subject and everything, and it it really is uh, a an institution in Japan. Like it's. Yeah. It's. I don't think currently it's as popular as it once was, mm-hmm. but it's still like Ultraman Festival is happening while I'm going to be there in July, yep. and they're still making series. Uh, one of the things, an interesting note to their current history is, uh, and, and this is a little more in the Heisei era of stuff, but one of the reasons why it took them a long time to make Ultraman Tiga after mm-hmm. Ultraman 80 was because Tsuburaya, the, as you said, the company that owns it, was fighting a legal battle with a company called Chayo Productions in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with all this? I'm actually, no. That, that always, I found that strange that there was that, that, Huge gap between Ultraman. I thought I just thought yeah. it was like a like a Doctor Who thing where it just it sort of died out yeah. in popularity and then they went for a revival. But then, right. no, I was unfamiliar with this at all. Please elaborate. Uh, well, I'm 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 gonna uh, okay. So I've got a few notes here, but a lot of this is information that's uh, kind of spread out and it's kind of hard to get get a get a beat on. But uh, I spoke with Brad Warner, who was actually one of the only uh, gaijin working at Subaraya in the uh, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brad uh, doesn't work for Subaraya anymore, but he, if if you want, uh, our uh, our friends over at the Kaiju Cast have a great interview with Brad about his time working at Subaraya and the whole Chayo thing and it was just it's just a mess but in a nutshell uh, there's this filmmaker in Singapore uh, I'm using the term uh, filmmaker very loosely um, <laughs> he uh, his name is Sompote Sands and he uh, actually in his company Chayo uh, partnered with Subaraya uh, back in the Showa days to make an Ultraman movie, and they made a sort of a, a six Ultra Brothers uh, versus the Monster Army uh, with also with Hanuman the Monkey God. Um, mm-hmm. It was a very. I think sp- I've seen that. You probably, <laughs> if I showed you images yeah. from it, you probably be yeah. like, "Oh, I know exactly what this is," mm-hmm. or you at least would have recognized it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was a weird movie, probably not very good, because I recently saw Sampote San's other big claim to fame, which is Crocodile which mm-hmm. is f- just a fucking garbage fire of a film. <laughs> uh, just fucking unwatchable. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it's the sort of film, though, that should be shown in film class. Mm-hmm. Like, like an assigned to, to young students to be like, okay, tell us how this is an abs- absolute utter failure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so uh, at one point in the 90s, uh, Noboru Tsuburaya, uh, whom... Mm-hmm. Oh man, I want to say he was Eiji Tsuburaya's son. Maybe he was his grandson. I'm pretty sure it was his son. Uh, mm-hmm. Noboru Tsuburaya was the head of the company, and he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he died, Chayo showed up with a letter, basically, that said, Hey, uh, Noboru actually signed over all international rights to Ultraman to us. Mm-hmm. I mean... Or right off the bat, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, not at all. No yeah. one in the Super Eye family would have ever signed off on that. 
Hmm. Uh, the letter was written in English, hmm. so, uh, which again, no. Uh, yeah. And it basically said, we have international distribution rights to Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, Return of Ultraman, Ace Taro, uh, uh, Ace and Taro. So, like, those first, like, six Ultra series. Yeah. And they created just enough reasonable doubt to actually win the court case. Huh. So, that's... The the Ultraman DVDs that are actually out in the States, because we do have uh, the first three series, Ultra Q, Ultraman, and Ultra 7, Mm -hmm. they are out in the States. But those are licensed through Superaya. Really? Wow. Yeah. They're licensed through Chayo. Now... They've gone back and they fought them in recent years and managed to get some ground back. So mm-hmm. they're not, like, you know, completely out of options. Uh, I'm honestly not super sure what the current status is because the Ultra 7 and Ultra Q discs recently came out, and those are not through Subaraya. Um because they don't include uh, both language tracks, which Subaraya has both of. They have English mm-hmm. and Japanese. So mm-hmm. it's this wild, stupid, crazy situation, and basically Superaya uh, basically said, "Oh, but we can still make our own new Ultraman." So that's when they created Tiga. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why they've had financial troubles in recent years, too, as I understand it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm also talking out of my ass a lot. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, Thankfully, though, in recent years, they managed to get back around and to, to making new Ultraman stuff because they had yeah. a 40th anniversary series back in 2006 called mm-hmm. Ultraman Mabius. Yeah, that was the series that my wife and I first watched together, and that's that's my wife's favorite Ultraman series. Oh. Like she loves Mabius. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and those series are almost almost all of the Heisei series are available on Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. which is the streaming service here in the States. Mm. Uh, but very pointedly, it's only up to Leo. Mm. They can't put anything before Leo. Wow, Subaraya okay. can't put anything before Leo streaming in the States. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a weird situation. It's it's kind of like that whole Macross thing in anime. Where... Yeah, the Macross thing is a pretty good comparison yeah i mean except except i think i don't think the macross thing actually involves honest to god forgery you know it's just it's just the the company their the owners original owners signed over rights that they should not have in retrospect yeah. and they fucked themselves but yeah yeah exactly um but anyway so uh speaking of newer ultraman stuff mm-hmm. uh ultraman x hmm. let's talk it's... about it Yep. Um, yeah. Ultraman X was the latest series that. W- when did that come out? It came out, uh, it came out last year. Last last year, mm-hmm. and it's a fairly short series in comparison to to the past ones, which have always yeah. been around fifty episodes, about like yeah. a year. And it's it's new latest story. Um, it also. It shows a lot of stuff that I was unfamiliar with because, as I said, I was a Showa era person. Right. So, like, like the the concept of they the main character and Ultraman X share the same body and they communicate with each other is one thing that I was like that was completely unfamiliar with. Yeah, typically um, you don't you don't see Ultraman speaking to his host very often. Yeah, in the old stuff. And, 
Yeah, in the, in the newer stuff, it appears to be a lot more prevalent. But yeah, yeah. In the old stuff, it was basically the main character is Ultraman. I mean, whether they're like merged as a single consciousness or or one's like one's dormant and asleep while the other one runs the show, mm-hmm. not really sure. But they don't really communicate with each other, right? And they don't like share. Uh, you know, they don't like even discuss tactics during battle, right? Um, and another thing is the concept of the the kaiju, the yeah. monsters that they fight, which used to be. The interesting thing is that in the in the old lore, in the uh, Showa lore, the monsters are criminals. They're not monsters. They are criminals. Yeah, um, a lot of them are. That's true. Yeah. The original one, the very first original, sorry to go back to the show here, the very first it's, it's Ultraman fine. is that, uh, the very first episode is that Ultraman was basically taking a criminal monster, you know, bringing it in to right. a, what was called the, the Kaiju's Hakaba, which was the, the Kaiju Graveyard. He was taking the the monster there, and it escaped, and then it landed on Earth, and basically, you know, started destroying stuff. Right, and Ultraman Run came old, down. Old yeah. Bemlar, old yeah. Bemlar, uh, and Ultraman came down to stop it, and ended up, you know, somebody got caught. It's collateral, and the Ultraman basically, you know, became the ho- you know took that body as a host and right. stayed on Earth to protect it. Uh, but in in and in the new series, uh, especially in Ultraman X, the the monsters are they're miniaturized. They're basically in hibernation, in a form of hibernation, mm-hmm. and the humans are you know, they're there, the human organization is there to protect the Earth, but they're also trying to find a way that humans and kaiju can coexist. Right. It's uh, it's it's an interesting conceit because in this new series, uh, I mean, and there have been other interpretations of the monster element, like uh, in Ultraman Gaia, mm-hmm. uh, which was 1998, I want to say, uh, mm-hmm. the monsters were either coming from another dimension or they were uh, rising from the Earth itself. And uh, when, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, so if you're, in Ultimate Guy is on Crunchyroll, so if you're watching it, uh, skip ahead like 15 seconds, but uh, mm. basically what they find out is that the monsters who are rising from Earth are actually rising to protect the Earth from the monsters from another dimension mm. in Ultraman Gaia. So they're almost like the Earth's um, natural antibodies, mm. which is kind of an interesting conceit. But yeah, yeah so in the new series the new status quo is that they're they are spark dolls mm-hmm. and spark dolls are uh, a concept introduced in Ultraman Ginga which mm-hmm. was a, the more one of the more recent series it was a series that preceded Ultraman X yeah and uh, the spark dolls are just they're just they're literally just bandai figures <laughs> they're just yeah. soft vinyl yeah, yeah, bandai uh, toys yeah, one thing I definitely noticed when watching uh, Ultraman X was that there's a very distinct and pronounced marketing of toys to children. Yes, much and more a... so than 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 the hey, say, uh, the show era that yeah. I was used to. No, um, yeah, that's that's that was sort of one of the things that Ultraman that kind of distinguished Ultraman from a lot of other stuff was that it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had toys. It was it was a yeah. kids' TV show. Yeah. But they weren't as prevalent as, say, like Super Sentai or Common Rider. Yeah. Um, they 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 weren't really they they didn't seem to catch on to the concept of marketing. Well, I think they just they were more concerned about the special effects than yeah. they were. Um, 
Well, it, it also could come from that, like, the Showa era, everything before Ultraman Leo comes before, like, comes before 1978, before Star Wars. Right. Before the concept of marketing in Hollywood. Like, oh, yeah. That it was such a huge thing really existed. So that might be part of it. That, I'm not, yeah. I mean, Star Wars did have an influence in Japan, so that could be part of it. I mean, that's entirely true. They they never really, um, even the Godzilla franchise didn't really start pumping out the toys until uh, the 80s and 90s. Uh, when they started making, when Bandai came along and really started pumping out these figures. I mean, companies like Marmot and Bullmark were making toys back in the day. But Bandai were the ones who came along and said, no, let's really monetize this shit. Yeah. Um, and and that's the thing. Speaking of Bandai, they really are the reason why the new Ultraman series is kind of as toyetic as it is. Because, mm-hmm. um, I, as I said before, Tsuburaya had been having some financial problems in the last decade or so. Um, after the 40th anniversary series, Ultraman Mabius, they there hadn't really been a proper Ultraman series for uh, almost ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple of of video on demand series that were just kaiju, uh, no Ultraman, just kaiju. Those were the Ultra Galaxy series. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they had stories and stuff, but they were just kaiju fighting in empty, in like big empty canyons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they had a couple of movies, but the movies were, they were reasonably popular, but not, like, transcendently so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, and, and Super Eye's majority shares kept getting bought by, this is, this is riveting, kids, talking about finances. <laughs> um, uh, Super Eye was um, purchased by uh, TYO mm-hmm. at one point. I think it was TYO. Uh, giant entertainment conglomerate in Japan, uh, they tried to kind of inject new blood into this franchise. Didn't work out as well as they were hoping it would. Like they, like the the movie they made, Ultra Galaxy Legends, Ultra Ginga Dinsetsu, uh, didn't go major international like they were hoping. Mm-hmm. So that they turned around and sold the majority shares to a pachinko company. Mm-hmm. Which made a few pachinko games and then turned around and sold off the majority share again. Mm. So it wasn't until uh, Bandai came in and said, We're going to buy a majority share. Uh, and that was when they started introducing the Spark Dolls. Mm, so okay. on the one hand, it's like, Yeah, it sucks that now the show's kind of got a lot of merchandising kind of jammed into it, but it also kind of saved the company. Yeah. So that's your little history lesson. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's very interesting because I I wasn't aware of all that. I mean, I could tell that there was definitely a tonal change mm-hmm. and that there was there was a lot more focus on on collectibles, things like that. Um the concept of the spark dolls, how mm-hmm. every episode basically ends where they're describing the cre- you know, they're describing the uh, kaiju, talking about right. it. Um they would have well, some of his well, not some. His most like uh, Ultraman X's abilities are activated by inserting a card into a device. Right, and the and card like comes from a monster. Yeah, 
and yeah. and you know all these things I could see as like oh, these are things that kids could do like in the playground whether you know playing make believe playing Ultraman X they'd have they'd get the toy of the of the little device that the main character has yeah. and you know they'd get the car- collectible cards or they'd get the kaiju which would be embedded with like IC chips so that when you attach them you know when they when they came in contact with the device it would it would say something it would describe the creature or something like that yeah I, I could see, you can you can kind of see the the gears working in that in that area right so. which is which is you know i mean hey you know what i mean if, if the kids like it and ultimately ultraman is kind of for kids um yeah. i mean people fans of ultraman nexus would disagree which i agree i would never i would never show a kid under 10 that series um yeah. ultraman nexus is dark <laughs> um and it's on Crunchyroll. you should watch it um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, but uh, what were your thoughts on X though? X was, it was, it felt to me again, because I haven't seen honestly any of the Heisei era aside from X. X was my first Heisei era Ultraman. So it was a huge tonal shift. Yeah. But, um, I could see like, and I, I could like, cause as an adult, like seeing the blatant marketing, I had issues with that. But right. at the same time, I could see there was a genuine sort of love for what came before. Like they would, oh, yeah. they would play, pay massive homage to a lot of the really popular uh, monsters, a lot of really popular kaiju from the original series. Mm-hmm. Um, they would actually reference other series, which was very interesting because. One thing is that, like, there have been so many Ultra Ultraman series, and each yeah. Ultraman series has a different organization protecting the Earth. Yes. And with so many organizations, there's like 10, 15 organiza- organizations oh, protecting the Earth, you got to wonder, like, is there a need for an Ultraman with all this high-tech weaponry? Yeah. But at the same time, they've actually, they actually, um, they actually address that very specifically in Ultraman X in that they're different universes. They're, yes, exactly. They're aware of each other, but they're different universes, and so all these different organizations are on different Earths. Which right, is, exactly. Which, is, which was actually very satisfying for me. It's just like, oh, I can you know retroactively fit that into everything that's come before. Um, and I mean, I love especially like the new effects that there's. Yes, there's CG, but it's not as blatant. Mm-hmm. As some of, some of the early stuff I've seen from Hays- the Hayes era, but it's it's it, and and they're still using as much as they can. It seems uh-huh. of the of the you know the miniatures destroying stuff, miniatures you know the suits and all that. Uh, because yes, between the Hayes and, and Showa eras, a lot of the, it looks like like a lot of the technology they used in filming the Tokusatsu was lost. Like some of the stuff, like yeah. from the early uh, early Gojira and stuff like that, they don't know how they did that. Yeah, that's actually true. A lot of the stuff, because a lot of those guys are dead. Yeah, uh, so there's they, only a handful of them that are still around. Guys like yeah. Teruyoshi Nakano. Actually, I think Nakano may have just died. Um, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, but like a lot of that stuff is 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 no longer. They they don't really. They're not as adept at doing that now. They can't. They don't really have the. They don't really. I mean, I I'm guessing like a lot of costs have gone up, which probably mm-hmm. means that the early Showa era stuff they were working for peanuts. Oh yeah, like the the sets aren't as as elaborate, and that seems. Very obviously, because of it's not that the budget has gone down; it's just right. that the costs have gone up. But, exactly. But the, you, can, I can, you can see that they're doing what they can with what they have, and they, they, it really does feel like they're 
they're milking every penny. Um, yeah, it's it's in, it's interesting because uh, it's interesting you point that out because uh, the showrunner for Ultraman X is a director named Kiyotaka Taguchi, mm-hmm. and um, Taguchi-san is is just a real raw talent in Tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of burst onto the scene with a YouTube movie called G, I think. Mm-hmm. And and it got a lot of attention because he used a lot of uh, really close-to-the-ground kind of shaky cam uh, mm. views of the monsters fighting a robot and stuff. And it had this really raw, realistic quality to it. Mm. Um, and then he did a, uh, a short film called Gehara, mm-hmm. which is a kaiju parody. It's actually the be- – a lot of people will tell me, like, oh, you should watch Big Man Japan because it's a, like a kaiju parody film. Mm-hmm. And I watched Big Man Japan, and I kind of hate it. Um, <laughs> it's an extremely cynical film that uh, doesn't... I don't think it has a whole lot of love for Tokusatsu, especially because uh, a lot of the effects are CGI. Um, mm. But uh, Gehara is a just... A, it's, it's one of those parodies... It's like a Mel Brooks film. It's like a parody that is very loving of mm. its source material, but also is willing to point out how ridiculous this shit is. Um, so he got, you know, that kind of catapulted him up and he did a few more things and Ultraman X is sort of his big, his, his, his big hit, his big breakout, his coming out party. Mm -hmm. Um, and he really, uh, I think he, a lot of the effects, the best effects work in X comes from Kiyosaka Taguchi just really cutting loose with the uh, Tokusatsu with the live action stuff. Okay, so that okay that that makes a lot of sense to me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so you, I mean, Ultraman X. Um, I really like one thing. I really, really loved it. It's it's sad that there are only a few episodes that do this, mm-hmm. but when it references other Ultraman series, yeah. within the series itself. I mean, I've always loved that. Like the the early ones did that too. They'd have you know previous Ultraman coming in to help. Or yeah. you know, doing things like that, um, you know, showing up or referencing them. But when when Ultraman X references uh, previous ones, like they they actually offhandedly mention Ultraman Seven or Ultra Seven. Yeah. They um, was it Ultraman uh, Ginga and yeah. wait, which are the which are the ones G- that show up? Ginga uh, and Ginga uh, and Victory show up. Yep. Yeah. And is it is it Mebius or Nebula that that um, uh, one of the very later episodes? Me- like the... uh, Mebius doesn't show up, which is interesting because Mebius is one of the more popular ones. But uh, yeah. but it was Max that shows up at one point. Oh right, Max. Okay. Yeah, and, Ma- and that was a great episode. It had a great yeah. twist. Yeah. Um, and. and... Wait, oh, uh, but the next one. But I think the best one is the one where Nexus shows up. Yeah, Nexus. There it is. Yeah, my that was that was by far my favorite episode. It was. Yeah. It was the most interesting. Um, yeah, it. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody listening because I really think that if you want to get into Ultraman, go to Crunchyroll and watch Ultraman X. It's yeah. it's short, it's sweet, it's it's got a lot of interesting stuff happening. It's a little toyetic, but. There's just some really crackerjack episodes. I mean, as much yeah. as I like the Nexus one, I mm-hmm. love the one with Gomez, the uh, mm-hmm. which was a, a monster that was originally a modified Godzilla suit. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that, yeah. That whole episode is... is Well, that episode actually came out on Godzilla's uh, anniversary last year. Oh, okay. And they very pointedly... I think they very pointedly knew that because... Mm-hmm. The sound effects for his stomping sound effects mm-hmm. were Godzilla's stomping effects. <laughs> um, he get he gains an atomic beam at one yep. point, which the monster never had. Yep. 
Um, he he looks like Godzilla because he was originally a Godzilla suit. And that episode though is great because it's all about the commander mm-hmm. and his relationship to his daughter and everything. And yep. oh man, there's some really yeah. great episodes. Yeah, the, um, there were a lot of very human episodes, like the individual characters. Like um, one thing that always, especially this plagued the the Showa era, was yeah. that. The Earth Defense Forces, they're there to protect the Earth, but they're useless when the kaiju go. <laughs> like, they, they, you know, they'll shoot stuff and, you know, they're the explosions and stuff, but there's, they never do anything that has a really, you know, palpable effect on the kaiju. Yeah. And, th- and it, I mean, ex- except for, like, the very last episode of the first Ultraman series, but there's a reason for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I know exactly it Ultraman X, like, they, they actually, like, they are, they're, they're integrating Ultraman's power into their weaponry, and it has a, it has a, a very distinct effect. They're utilizing the spark dolls and the new technology they, they're, they're trying to, um, what what is it to to materialize the spark dolls in digital form the digital yeah. form of the spark dolls it's kind of weird they're, yeah the, the digital well they're trying to create of, those cyber monsters yeah there's yeah they're they're creating physical forms of the digital form of the spark dolls and it's they're so weird <laughs> they're controlling them and using them you know using them as allies to fight monsters and things like that and they're much more effective and they're much more human and like as you said the 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 episode which focuses on on the captain the main you know the main leader and yeah. you know his devotion to protecting the earth um there's i love the the the, the one where nexus shows up which also yeah. focuses on another character um uh, you know and so there the whereas in the the show era which i'm used to like they were there as you know window dressing they're act- yeah. they actually play a far more prominent role and is this something that that they focus on more in the heisei era like you've seen more than i have so you can probably oh yeah i mean i i like to i mean i not to brag but i actually i mean i have watched a shit ton of ultraman and I, I've seen more of the Heisei series than I have of the Showa stuff, just because the Showa stuff is so damn hard to get. Yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully, Leo and Eighty are on Crunchyroll, and Ultraman and Ultra 7 and Ultra Q are out on DVD. But, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you'll get some more distinct personalities in the Showa stuff, but the... It's the I think it's the hero, the Ultraman host that usually suffers because they're just supposed to be stoic and badass and good at everything, yeah. Yeah. and they become kind of indistinct. But I think that they really started turning that around with, um, I would say it was Mabius. Well, Mabius introduced this into this is a, a more recent series. Mabius introduced the idea of the Ultraman being fish out of water, very unfamiliar with Earth customs. Yeah. And it it led to a lot of great comedy. And um, there's actually one of my favorite moments. That it, it, it maybe has a great cast because the cast is all very distinct, and they have their own wants and needs and desires. Yeah. A lot of them actually give up their dreams to go be members of the defense force. Yeah, uh, which is really interesting. Um, but there's a great moment where. Uh, so this isn't really a spoiler because it happens at, at, at it happens at a certain point. But Mabius, in his human form of of Mirai, he uh, is going to leave. He's going to leave Earth for some reason. I think the Earth was getting threatened with destruction unless he left. Hmm. So he was like, "I'm going to have to leave soon. Um, there's a bigger war going on out there." But so he's he doesn't. I don't think anybody. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody at this point knows he's Ultraman, but he... So he goes around and he spends the day with each one of his of his um, his compatriots, his his teammates, mm-hmm. and they go around and they he just he just spends the day with them. He goes shopping with uh, one of the girls. He uh, goes to I think he goes plays soccer with one of the other guys, um, and then uh, the last person he sees before he leaves is the guy that uh, more or less got him into. Uh, is the first guy he met who's this hot-headed guy named Ryu because of course his name is Ryu. Um <laughs> this this total it's, hot Well, know? it's it well, Ryu in, in Japan is kind of a name that it, it's dragon basically. It's yeah. it's it's a name that sort of come with it it comes, you know, the 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 sense of, you know, strength. Uh, yeah, so. and that's that's his whole character is that he's a hothead. He's like one of the better fighters in the group. Um, but he has a really, they have a really strong connection and there's a moment when, uh, he's kind of joking around because he and and Mirai, he and Mabius are kind of hanging out, uh, off duty, out of uniform and, uh, at like a park somewhere and, uh, Mabius goes and like gets them, uh, treats and stuff, like gets them ice cream or something. Mm -hmm. And Ryu kind of says, oh gosh, uh, it's almost like we're on a date and, uh, (laughs) Mabius, uh, and maybe it's kind of looks confused for a second. He's like, well, a date is when you go and do something special with someone you care about. Right. <laughs> and it just, <laughs> I ship them so hard. Um, uh-huh. but they, uh, but I mean, it, it's, it's, there's more to it than that. And it's, it's, you know, and in, in ultra, even in ultra Antigua though, they really were making an effort to make sure everyone felt distinct and everyone felt, uh, you, you really should give some of the other Heisei series a shot. Cause I think you'd yeah. really enjoy them. Yep. I, I probably will after this. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, personal. I'm glad you liked X because uh, yeah. personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. really good. It, it felt like a revival for me. I mean, it's partly because I haven't seen any of the other Heisei era, so yeah. like you know, it it felt like you know the this is the new age. This is the new. Mm-hmm. This is the new Ultraman for me. So yeah, uh, and, and that's really cool because like. <laughs> Uh, I was a little bummed out when I found out that it was just going to be those 22 episodes. Right. And then they had the movie, um, mm-hmm. which I guess by the time I'm over there, it'll be out on Blu-ray, so you bet your ass I'm buying it. <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, uh, And now they've got a new series which is coming out, uh, in I think in June, called Ultraman Orb. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah. it's July. It starts July oh. 9th. Oh, okay, cool. And it's cool. scheduled for 25 episodes. I know this because I have the page right in front of me. <laughs> I was going to say, I have the page in front of me right now, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah I'm sorry, but yeah. Uh, there, oh, yeah. Yeah, there is, a, there is a new Ultraman coming, and I will probably be, be trying to check that out, too. So Yeah, it, that's interesting. It says here it's not going to be part of Ultraman Retsuden, mm-hmm. um, which, which is, is the... Uh, basically the... the Ultraman timeline, if it, if you would. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. like it's like they use that as sort of a vehicle for uh, reruns and stuff, yeah. and they've worked in the new Ultraman series into that. That's where Ginga Ginga S and um, X hmm. uh, premiered. But um, I'm looking. It looks really interesting because it seems like the actual defense force in Ultraman Orb is mm-hmm. going to be just a bunch of fucking teenagers who get together hmm. a UFO club to to hunt down monsters. Hmm. <laughs> like uh, they're called the SSP, which hmm. stands, which is a uh, uh, Samushingu Sachi Pipuru. 
so <laughs> just something search people. <laughs> yeah, they, they, all, all the um, all the different uh, Earth Defense Forces have different acronyms for their yeah. names, um, except yeah. for the very first one, I think. The I think very it was... first one uh, was it Kagakutsuotai, which was called the Science Something, but it didn't have an acronym. The right, very first it was one. called the Science Patrol in America. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then Ultra 7 had the Ultra Garrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yes, the Ultra Garrison. Oh, uh, right, Ultra I, 7, yeah. yeah. But I, after that, like they started having like TAC, like TAC, or like stuff like that. M-A-T, <laughs> Ma- M-A-T MAT, yep. Monster yep. Attack Team. Yeah. Which, uh, oh man. And this, but Orb looks like it's going to be really interesting. The Ultraman himself looks like he's not going to be a a main character. He's kind of a, he's kind of a, a drifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, who just happens to have Ultraman powers. Um, mm. The villain of the series is called Jagras Jugra. <laughs> so, oh, there's, they're going to have a very specific villain. Yeah. He's, oh, a, cool. he's a main antagonist of Guy Kuranai, who is Ultraman Orb. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, a, a youth in a well-dressed suit. Mm-hmm. He is possession of the Dark Ring and Monster Cards. There's that. Uh, there's that mm-hmm. marketing again. <laughs> and he's gonna awaken the Demon King beasts, huh. the uh, the Ma Ju. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, there's not oh. many Ultraman series that have like a Rita Repulsa. Yeah, um, um, I think the first one that happened was Ultraman Ace. Was the yeah, that was the Yapul. Yeah, the Yapul, the uh, the alien Yapul. That that was the very first time that Ultraman had a very specific enemy. Until then, it was just basically random monsters come to Earth every week. Dear God, why is Earth still in one you know one piece? Yeah. Um, and it's always Tokyo. God damn yeah. it. It's always Tokyo, or always the nondescript w- Japanese countryside because it's cheaper to film out here. Yeah, or or Osaka and Kyoto because they have a nice castle that can be destroyed by Gomorrah. Yes. But um, God, I love it. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh, um. Actually, uh, one thing I, I did want to actually well, there, there there are two things actually I very specifically wanted to mention about Ultraman is that um, yeah, sort of sort of going a little bit uh, off the main topic of of Ultraman Orb and up what's upcoming, but um, one just very distinct thing that a lot of people will notice about Ultraman is that as we said, they like they have the finishing move. Yes, and the the biggest complaint I've heard from everybody who has ever seen one of these Japanese shows, one of these Tokusatsu stuff, is yeah. that why don't they start with that? <laughs> yeah, because you're because you're because you people are uneducated plebeians, yeah. and uh, well, you don't um, know how shit works. Yeah, well, because well, it's it's there there are very two two reasons for this. One, yeah, it's because that it takes time to charge that attack. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know you're fighting. It's like you know any any fighting game. Like you yeah. have that super attack, but you got that like energy bar that needs to fill. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> like they need to fill that energy bar. That's why they don't start out with it. There's only been like one or two times they've actually started with that, and it's very, very specifically because it didn't work. Um, exactly. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, because like I think the very first Ultraman when he gets defeated by Zeton is mm-hmm. he tries it. Zeton. The, the, yeah, he, like he just he tries it right off the bat, and it does not work. Yeah. Um But another reason is. And I think this will make Ultraman a lot more relatable to people who, who do aren't familiar with it. Yeah. If you're going to compare Ultraman to anything, compare it to professional wrestling. Yes. It's a wrestling match between a giant guy and a giant monster. Yes, exactly. It's, it's like uh... so like it's 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 um 
uh, Jake, you know, Jake Roberts and the DDT. That's the final <laughs> move. That's the, that's the finishing move. That's the specium beam. That's yes. what, you know, you're, you're waiting for that big finishing move to end the match, to bring down the heel and the hero, you know, gets the belt. That's what yeah. it is. That, that's, that's ultimate. That's the ultimate combat. Yeah. There's that, a very, there's a very specific, uh, mentality you kind of have to enter in when you're watching an Ultraman series or any of these Japanese shows yeah. that you just kind of have to accept that, these are the way these are the rules and these are the way things yeah. work yeah yeah but uh it's funny you you'll you say that ultraman is a big guy yeah. and that's pretty much true because i think what some people kind of tend to find distracting is that he's not a robot yeah he's not really heavily armored except in some of the more recent stuff yeah you know i, I think it's one of the reasons why power rangers was easier for people to swallow because it was supposed to be a giant robot with yeah. still a guy in a suit yeah and the monsters are kind of inherently goofy. Yep. Um, and and also the 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 characters, the main characters, when they transform, they're obviously like wearing suits. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Ultraman is it's this weird sort of is that his real face or is he wearing yeah. a suit? They don't. They never actually address that. Like, is is there anything under that or is that him? Yeah, and that's something that they kind of managed to avoid talking about for a while. Yeah. Um. It wasn't until I think there was a manga called Ultraman Story Zero, mm-hmm. which they then adapted parts of into the um, uh, Ultraman Ginga Ultra Ginga Densetsu, the Ultraman Galaxy Legends movie, mm-hmm. where they actually do talk about the origin of the Ultra People and where they came from. Mm. And it's really interesting because the idea is that their sun went out, mm-hmm. like thousands and thousands of years ago and they had a civilization that was actually very similar to earth Hmm. uh they were very highly evolved they looked like people Hmm. and when their sun went out uh they got together and created this thing called the plasma spark Hmm. now uh in the movie uh the plasma spark has this unintended side effect of mutating the populace into Ultraman. Hmm. So that's what they actually are. Like, that's like huh. their skin. And their actual faces. Huh. Okay. Yeah, it's very strange. That's actually pretty interesting. And it's actually, that's actually somewhat uncommon for a Japanese hero story. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a very um kind of a DC-ish yeah. kind of story. It has yeah. a Superman vibe to it. Yeah, um, because this is this is something very like um, I don't think many people really think about, but there's a very distinct cultural difference between Japanese heroes and Western heroes. Yes, and that most Japanese heroes will exist because of their enemies. Yes, whereas Western heroes tend to exist regardless of their enemies. That's like very. Got, that's an interesting observation. Like, like you've got you've got Superman. He fights Lex Luthor. He fights Brainiac. He fights you know General Zod. But he doesn't. He didn't come to Earth because of them. He didn't. Right. Like, well, yes, he came because of Zod because of that whole thing. But he like like Batman. Batman mm-hmm. fights the Joker, but he didn't become Batman because of the Joker. Except if you're talking about the well, like, I mean, Tim not that not movie, Tim but... Burton would have you believe otherwise. <laughs> I think we were both but, saying but the I, same thing. Yeah, but as general lore, like Batman became Batman, you know, not like yes, Joe Chill killed his parents, and he be, you know he became Batman because of that. But he didn't 
become Batman specifically to fight Joe Chill. He became right. to fight crime, and his and Joe Chill is not his dominant adversary. No. His dominant adversary is like you know the Joker, Penguin, like all the you know Two Face, all these other characters who exist regardless of Batman. Yeah, exactly, and and that's a really interesting observation that honestly yeah. I hadn't put together until yeah. like, you basically just said that. Yeah, like like the Japanese, like very specific, like um, Kamen Rider, Masked Rider, yeah. like he was made to be a bad guy. He just rebelled. Um, Ultraman, right, he was created by Shocker. Yeah, Ultraman was like came to Earth beca- and started fighting because kaiju were were there. Like Ultraman had been fighting kaiju for a long time before they ever came to Earth. Right, um, and so like that, you, there's that 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 there's this very very interesting cultural divide. Uh, obviously, there are outliers, like you know. Captain mm-hmm. America was, you know, became Captain America specifically to fight the Nazis. Yes. Um, but, you know, generally you can kind of see that, like, as for, you know, in large part, most Japanese heroes are around because they're fighting their very specific enemies. They're not, they're not, like, just happen to be there and the enemy happens to be there and they fight. Yeah, exactly. So, that's, that's really interesting because, um, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to blow your mind here. Uh-huh. So in the manga version of that origin story with yep. the creation of the plasma spark, yep. the plasma spark was actually sabotaged in that version. Oh, okay. it was yeah, I know. It was sabotaged by an alien race that was I think they were I don't know what their goal was, but they were jealous of the people of this planet and mm-hmm. they wanted their technology or they just wanted to sabotage this thing. So the plasma spark energy went off. It mutated all the people into ultra warriors, gave them all this power, but it also mutated the alien race. And that alien race was Baltan Sajin. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. For those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, uh, the Baltans are uh, an, a, a race of aliens that are recurring adversaries in the Ultraman series. Yeah. Yeah, there there are there are quite a few that show up all the time, but but the the Baltan Sajin are probably one of the most famous and iconic. Yes, and apparently they retired to run a uh, kaiju uh, tavern in <laughs> Kawasaki City, <laughs> where they can I mean, be found. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. You gotta go. You gotta go there with us, man. It's gonna okay. be awesome. I will see about that. I I can I can open up my schedule for that. So yeah. Uh, I mean, we're probably going to go at least twice, probably three times. <laughs> I mean, I just love that place so much. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, isn't that nuts that, like, oh, my yeah. God. And because and through the course of the story, like, the Ultraman, and, and this is, uh, I mean, in the manga, it's like the story of how Ultra Father, um, the father of Ultra, uh, formed the space garrison, the, uh, the, the uh, Uchu, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, you crazy moon language. Um, I, uh, I, but he formed like he got the Ultra Brothers together and sent them out to go uh, fix, like his monsters were being created by some by this plasma spark energy. Oh, so they okay. started going out to go right wrongs, but the Baltans were kind of working in the shadows and oh. manipulating events. So it's really interesting. Oh, I would I would have expected the Mephilus, but <laughs> oh but that's yeah, just me. yeah, another iconic alien, uh, alien. But that actually, but I just have a preference for the Mephilus because they mm-hmm. were the first alien that Ultraman just could not defeat. Yeah, that's the and um. It, it just it, they fought till standstill, and basically the Mephilus says, you know, 
it's no, it's pointless for us to fight. I couldn't do what I wanted to do coming here, so I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because um, in you would you would like Ultraman if you liked the callbacks in Ultraman X, yeah. you will love the callbacks in Ultraman Mabius because Mabius yeah. is. It's very pointedly taking place in the Showa universe. Oh wow! Yes, I, yeah. I, I have to check this out now. Yeah, and the and the Showa, all the Showa Ultraman show up. Uh, seven Taro actually ch- actually trained Mabius. Oh wow! And okay. He shows up and uh, and at one point I don't want to spoil it, but Mephilas does show up mm-hmm. and confronts and then and then Hayata shows up and <laughs> becomes Ultraman and they have like this. Like Ultraman is like chastising him, like Mephiles, what are you doing? <laughs> it's so you'll love it, dude. You've got to watch it. You'll oh it. God, yeah, that just sold me. <laughs> yeah, dude. But that's uh, just just an FYI. That doesn't happen until way later in the series. But they pay a lot of lip service to um, how whenever old monsters show up, like Birdon shows up or Gudon mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. up, and they'll pull up um, old. Um, records of these kaiju and they'll be like oh well this is record from uh, this is the TAC record the TAC record or this is the <laughs> MAT record the MAT record or you know and it's like uh, bur- uh, fire breathing bird monster bird on and yeah dude you'll fucking you gotta watch it you fucking okay. love it oh wow okay yes I have to now <laughs> yes oh man see nothing warms my heart more than being able to get people to watch Ultraman <laughs> Because oh, wow, okay. Godzilla is easy. Everybody knows what Godzilla is, but yeah, yeah Ultraman <laughs> is a bit of a hard sell in the West. Yeah, kind of, kind of because of his look and aesthetic, mm. and and I, and, you know, the the sort of it's kind of hard to latch on to something that it's not a robot or completely a monster. Exactly, it, it, it's kind of that. Um, what is it? That uncanny valley sort of thing. That's that's a really good point because um, Ultraman has had a pretty rough it, it's that's why all these series being on Crunchyroll here in the west are so yeah. unprecedented because mm-hmm. super eyes had a really hard time uh kind of getting their foot in the door over here i mean the original ultraman came out over here and it was pretty popular um yeah they adapted ultra seven for like late night tv mm-hmm. um and then there was nothing uh, they didn't adapt any other Ultraman. I think they did some dubs of the anime series at one point. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, that reminds me, I was gonna—I hadn't said exactly what my relationship with Ultraman was oh, and how right. I got <laughs> we into just, it. We just got going, so yeah. Go, yeah. Oh yeah. Please. Well, we, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm sure we can talk about shit for hours, but uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll tell my little bit, and then maybe we can probably go ahead and wrap up because I think people are gonna be sick of listening to us. <laughs> um, so so obviously, as a kid, I was super into Godzilla super into Power Rangers and those were my two big things mm-hmm. um then one day oh god was this before Power Rangers this might have been before Power Rangers uh I was just I think I was just sitting at home watching TV and a commercial came on and it said it's Ultraman and I'm like what <laughs> and this it was a giant superhero fighting monsters and I'm like oh my god it's a Godzilla sized superhero like that concept was so just blew my damn monkey mind, huh. and um, and it was very specifically commercials for the action figures for Ultraman Towards the Future, Ultraman Great, hmm. uh, as it's known in Japan. And um, uh, what happened? Uh, so I kept trying to find out more information. I had no idea how to catch this on television. Hmm. 
and eventually uh uh I just got the action figures and I think I got one VHS that I found at Walgreens somewhere. Hmm. And it was um it was like episode five or something, so it was like neck deep into the storyline. Um, that that series isn't that bad. It's actually kind of cool and compelling, and it has a different flavor to it. Uh, all the, the the Defense Force team in Australia is real saucy. Um, <laughs> they're very they're very sarcastic, <laughs> um, which is not something you get a whole lot of in the Japanese uh, series. Yeah, but uh, but anyway. Um, what happened? Uh, so I got the action figures, and it, and then I, and then I remember watching Space Ghost Coast to Coast, uh-huh. and they would occasionally use clips from Ultra Seven, huh? And I saw that, and I'm like, that's one of those Ultraman series because I had read about it in a couple of magazines and stuff, oh. and uh, I found out that it was playing on late night at 4 a.m. on TNT, huh? So I would uh, record those or get my grandmother to record them. And I would just devour those because I was the only Ultraman I had. Yeah. So seven, and I guess. It, well, seven is a good one. Like oh, seven yeah. is one of my seven is. I'm sorry, seven is my favorite of all of the series. Oh, that's it, cool. Yes, Ultra Seven was, and I think I do believe that um, in Japan, Ultra Seven is probably the most highly regarded. Like he's the only one who's had like a second series. A second Hayes yeah. era series, and he's got a bunch of his own like little little like lost episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, spinoffs like, and stuff. Yeah, they 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 constantly revisit Ultra Seven. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm Ultra... actually go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, I was just gonna quickly interject. I'm actually friends with the guy who was the suit actor for the Heisei Ultra Seven. Oh wow! Yeah, he's the guy's Ooh, name is shit. Ryuki Kitaoka, and he's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um. God, if our if our paths can all cross while I'm over there, that would be awesome. Oh, wow. um, yep. But uh, go ahead, you were saying? Oh yeah, but um, yeah. So like, um, Ultra Q start like created its footmark. Um, then Ultra Ultraman was the like the smash hit, right? But uh, Ultra Seven, which came after that, ha- probably has the greatest longevity of any of the series. Like, yeah, I I do agree with that. Um, just based on um, everything I've seen. Yeah, like I mean, a lot of the stuff in Ultra Seven still is is regarded to this day. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. especially the like the 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 callback stuff in like uh, in Ultraman X, like the mm-hmm. Ella King and oh, yeah. King, King Joe. Like, yes. th- there are a lot of Ultra Seven monster callback monsters in that, and I mean, a lot of the stuff they did because like yeah, that was the first one. Like Ultraman, as we said, like has that color timer. Ultra Seven didn't. Yeah, Ultra he can only lose yeah. his power when he was in extreme cold. Right, like he was Superman. He was literally Superman. Like he got yeah. his power from the sun, and like you know, basically cutting him off from the sun and, and exposing him to extreme cold would weaken him. And they actually changed the series because of that. Like during the series, they gave him a weakness because he didn't yeah. have one before. And you know, he he had that cutting weapon on the top of his head, the ice uh, slugger. Yeah, ice slugger. Yeah, and which... I have a, I have a letter opener shaped like the ice slugger. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. I picked that up at the Kaiju Sakaba. Because <laughs> like, yeah, that that's become that's become a staple. That that the cutting weapon that shows up a lot in other in other Ultraman series. Yeah. Um, and yeah, geez, he fights a he fights a, a tyrannosaur with tank treads. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dino Tank. Dino Tank Dino is my tank. spirit animal. Yeah, it's so awesome. So yeah, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I, they, he is definitely my favorite. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's awesome to hear, because, like, I mean, like I said, you know, Seven, I got a real soft spot for Seven, which is why I felt bad that uh, you literally can eat his brains at the Kaiju Sakaba. I won't. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's really good. <laughs> it's it's a it's an ultra seven like scanning is what they call oh. it in the menu. Like you're scanning for his weaknesses. Uh-huh. So they bring you a little ultra seven uh pot, and you open it up by using the eye slugger, and you dip your bread in there to get the gooey goodness out. Oh, that sounds so good, but I don't think it's I can, just, like, emotionally, I, I don't think I can handle it. I know, I know. It's, um, well, the thing about the Kaiju Bar, the Kaiju Tavern, which I didn't realize that Kaiju Sakaba and Kaiju Hakaba were, was that, I didn't realize that was a pun. Um, that's oh, what they wow, call it, the Monster Graveyard, yeah. right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, the, the bar is supposed to be friendly to kaiju. Like, you're, you're, if they have signs that say heroes and Earth Defense Force members are not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, and it, but then, like, getting actual Ultraman media was really difficult. Like, I would only ever read about it online or read about it in G-Fan Magazine, which was the Godzilla publication here in the U.S. Um, unofficial, of course. And, um... Uh, I would I would read about it and because it, it was so damn difficult and you can only get it through bootleg VHS tapes that like you would get from friends who went to Japan mm. and finally uh, they briefly adapted Ultraman Tiga mm. for television on uh, Fox Kids on the Fox Box mm. along with that god awful dub of One Piece. <laughs> And yeah. oh man, that's another well, story altogether. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, well, it was also four kids who was doing the dub, and the mm. dub for Tiga is just a straight up parody. Mm. Like it's not meant to be taken seriously, which I, I don't inherently disagree with, but it also kind of robs the story of some of its pathos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as I understand it, the ratings were good, but they weren't like good enough so when they started bringing over more anime and stuff they axed Ultraman because it was kind of on the low end of Mm. their ratings which is a bummer because we never got to see the episode of Tiga where he teams up with the original Ultraman those are always the best yeah well well, it was even better because um, Tiga actually goes back in time to Tsuburaya production circa 1966 and inadvertently helps inspire Eiji Tsuburaya to create Ultraman (laughs) It's it's one of the best episodes in the entire oh. franchise. That is so awesome. It's great. <laughs> I I mean, oh god, we could probably talk about this shit for fucking hours, but I we're oh, in an hour we, and a half, and yeah. I think we should probably cut this off. Um, so yeah, do uh, you have any parting thoughts about Ultraman or whatever? Well, it is it is definitely a a, a series that I wish got more love in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm totally looking forward to the, to the new series and I'm probably going to be checking out uh, checking out uh, Ultraman Mebi- uh, Mebius now but... yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean it's it's also got a lot of history and there are a lot of episodes so I wouldn't tell anyone just like you know, yeah check it all out because that's kind yeah. of a physical impossibility unless you're someone like Matt so <laughs> <laughs> yes so but I mean it is worth checking out if mm-hmm. I mean well I, I would say like if anything like check out Ultra 7 if you can yeah if at all possible you can get I that mean, on DVD pretty easily if, you, if you're going for anything the Haste era all I've seen is Ultraman X but it's definitely worth it yeah 
So, but yeah. you know, it's it's def it's definitely worth if you're a kaiju fan and mm -hmm. you're interested in the history of of the the kaiju genre, the tokusatsu genre. You can't go without Ultraman. Oh yeah, I mean, I I hear I do talk to a lot of kaiju fans who have like no interest in Ultraman. I just want to sh shake them by the shoulder <laughs> and say, "What is wrong with you?" Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's those are kind of my closing thoughts too. I just I wish it was more popular in the states. It's doing better. Like apparently, Ultraman X is like the top rated live action series on Crunchyroll. So, and they were really happy with their numbers, which is why yep. they keep bringing they keep bringing Ultraman series over. I mean, on Crunchyroll, there's Ultraman Leo, Ultraman 80, uh, Ultraman Gaia, Ultraman uh, Nexus, Ultraman Max, Ultraman Mabius, uh, Ultraman Ginga, Ultraman Ginga S, and Ultraman X. Hmm. There might be one or two I'm forgetting, but those are the ones that... Uh, uh, Cos Cosmos? Uh, no, they don't have Cosmos, which really? is interesting because okay. Cosmos is really popular. Huh. Yeah, I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll do it. I mean, like I said, they're, uh, they're what they're probably going to do is they're probably waiting for Ultraman Orb to come out, and they'll probably mm. live stream that as well, or simulcast that, and uh, then riding that high, they'll probably put more series out. Mm. So yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, that was that was our our ultimate ultimate talk. So yeah, we might come. I might come back with another episode with another guest to talk about a little more in depth about the uh, Tokusatsu itself. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it just depends on if I can get him to friggin' make time in his schedule. But uh, Toshi, I really want to thank you for uh, setting aside the time to uh, talk. I mean. Now I imagine it's about 4 p.m. there. It's 2 a.m. here. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Toshi, tell us again where they can find you. Uh, well, they can cur currently, the only place they can really find me is uh, on oneofus.net, uh, part of the oneofus.net uh, podcast network, the Wayward Podcast, which I'm currently do hosting with uh, with my friend Richard. Um, not not Richard Whitaker, but a uh, different oh, Richard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, where we currently, uh, it used to be the, the podcast where we talk about stuff in Japan or Japan-centric, but it's become the anime podcast. <laughs> and... Uh, Currently, that's that. I mean, I I used to write for Kotaku, and my if you search for them, my stories are up there. But at nice. the moment, one of us dot net swear to find me. Very nice, very nice. Well, uh, for those of you listening, you can uh, find me at mattfrankart.com. You can find me at... Uh, I've been meaning to do more of this at the end of Gigantic Ass, which I haven't been doing. Mattfrankart.com, mm. um, Kaiju Samurai on DeviantArt, Spankzilla85 on Twitter and Tumblr. Very tasteful. Um, yeah, you ever thought of changing that name? <laughs> uh, I think I might. I think I might switch it over to Mattzilla because... But, but yeah. it, may, it might be too late to, but... It might be, but, you know, I, generally if you look... For, if you just Google Matt Frank and Godzilla, you'll find my stuff. Um, the collected uh, edition of Godzilla Rulers of Earth comes out in June uh, the volume 1 that's issues 1 through 12 um, what else what else uh, Project Nemesis which uh, was a series I worked on for a little bit that should be coming out collected in uh, June or July mm -hmm. uh, Godzilla Rage Across Time is the mm -hmm. uh, current comic series uh, well it's the first issue of a new miniseries that I'm working on uh, where uh, Toshi has actually been a really big help using uh, putting together translations for us when I need like a sound effect for something and I want it to be Japanese instead of English mm -hmm. um, I uh, go to Toshi and he usually 
right uh, right on right on cue. Yep. Um, so that's appreciated, sir. Uh, and I, as I said, I will make damn sure you have a name, your name in the credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's that's about us. So uh, I guess um, to all of you out there, uh, stay safe, watch out for those giant monsters, and always carry your beta capsule. 